What's up, everybody? Welcome to Call to the Arm Barn. I'm your host, David Payne, alongside co-host Brad Zampar and CSMM baseball writer Jimmy Miller. Call to the Bullpen is presented by Capital Sports Media Network. From high school to the pros, CSMN is the capital region's home for everything sports. Let's play ball. Jimmy, Brad, what's going on, fellas? Not much. Watching yeah, no, not a whole lot. Got the game on, everybody, so we could do some live reactions. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kick this one off on a hot note uh, because I'm feeling a little hot. Uh, PETA wants uh, MLB to change the name of the bullpen to the arm barn. You might have heard me in the intro say call to the arm barn. Uh, poking a little fun at PETA there with that. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I, it's completely performative bullshit, right? Like there are much bigger issues to deal with than it being called the bullpen. They're, they're upset because the bullpen uh, is the area where bulls would wait in the slaughterhouse before they went in to get slaughtered. Right. Uh, and so they are upset and it's offensive to bulls. And uh, I have never met a cow that gave a shit. <laughs> I've never met a cow uh, that was upset about that. And there's there's actually like serious issues going on. Like we're, we're watching this game right now in Atlanta uh, and inevitably they're going to be doing the tomahawk chop during this game. And instead of talking about that, uh, we're talking about calling the bullpen, the arm barn or the warm up zone or whatever you want to call it. Like there's actual serious issues. Uh, one of them being PETA has a 72% fucking kill rate. And that's, True. that's my first F bomb on the show. And it took 31 episodes for me to drop an F bomb on the show, but I'm fired up about this because PETA euthanizes about 72% of the animals that they take in. And they want to get pissy with Major League Baseball because it's called the bullpen. How about the fact that baseball gloves are made out of cowhide? Baseballs are made out of cowhide at stadiums. They're serving burgers. They're serving hot dogs. They're serving pepperoni pizza slices. The factory farming is an actual issue, right? There's actual mistreatment of animals in factory farming. There's no bulls at all in Major League Baseball. The only bulls are in Durham, right? And AAA for the Rays. There's no actual bulls being harmed here. We've got a, a, a racist hand gesture going on with 40,000 people in Atlanta. They're killing 72% of the animals they take in. But no, let's, let's be concerned about what we call the warm-up zone out there. Uh, but that's, that's my rant. I want to hear your guys' takes on this. Yeah, I mean, it's they're just, I guess, they're, I would say they're trying to get clicks right now. Like, they know it's the World Series. It's going to make a buzz. It's going to draw them to it for whatever reason, whether it's they want it and know that it's not going to end well for them. But I mean, it's they're going to just going to take advantage of it. They have, I mean, there's no reason for them to come after them. There's a whole NBA team named the Chicago Bulls. Why are you, why are you not going to go talk to them first? Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think that 
you know, it's, I can, I can respect them asking for them to change the name, but I think to say, you know, suggestion to call it the arm barn is kind of a slap to the face, you know, just say, you know, we would like you to change it, you know, but I feel like giving a suggestion is kind of degrading the major league baseball. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't want to suggest anything, but this totally could be like in cahoots with major league baseball to take attention away from the, the tomahawk chop. Mm-hmm. This, oh, could absolutely. Be, this could be to distract headlines, change headlines. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, a little embarrassing on the part of major league baseball where you move the all-star game out of Atlanta because of racist voting laws. And now on national television, you're going to have a racist hand gesture going on in the crowd. Maybe you coordinate with PETA here to, to change some headlines and get people talking about something else leading up to these games in Atlanta. Uh, so that's, that's a thought. Would you think that's plausible or am I just, you know, pulling stuff out of my butt here? It's, I think it's plausible. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now on to, to lighter, more fun topics. Oh, 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 this is this is not a more fun topic, but this is a, a hilarious headline uh, from today. Uh, was Fetty Wap getting arrested at City Field? Jim, as a Mets fan, that could not have been on your radar. Fetty Wap getting arrested for what was it like a, a hundred kilos of yeah, like, cocaine, fentanyl, heroin? What in the like that is so out of pocket, like unexpected. Maybe I could have, you know, expected that that you know Fetty Wap would be moving drugs and stuff, considering the lyrics of 90% of his songs. Um, but the the, the, the city field tie-in was completely out of pocket, completely unexpected. Uh, what is going on at City Field? Well, I mean, I, I think when you host a music festival at uh City Field is bound to happen, you know, a heavy police presence, you know, it's mm-hmm. I feel like ro- rolling loud in the name itself, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of give, gives away what might be going on there, especially that big, big festival like that. So I'm not surprised, maybe surprised that it was him or that it somebody that, you know, magnitude got in trouble, but I'm not surprised that people are getting in trouble there. There's got to be police everywhere. Was he performing at the festival? He was supposed mm-hmm. to, he was scheduled to, but... <laughs> <laughs> He so he's performing there and he's dealing drugs while he's performing at the festival. <laughs> did not see that coming. And I doubt he did either. Brad, what, what do you got on this? Uh, I mean, Fetty's, I, I mean, have you heard from him in a while? Uh, yeah, but. That's, that's, uh, he, he was low key, low key. I wouldn't call him a complete one hit wonder. But for the majority, he was a one. It was like three songs. He was like a one-year yeah. wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a better description of it. Yeah. And he made his money, and I'm sure he's. Oh, yeah, I bet he, he made a ton of drug money. I bet. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I read an article that said it was a ring since like 2019. It, like it's been it's been going on a couple of years, but. So they've just been watching. I'm waiting for him to have a bunch of stuff on him in public where they Mm -hmm. yep so that's that was totally unexpected today um now all right we'll stick we'll stick with the negative stuff uh reports are mlb's preparing for a work stoppage uh we've kind of talked about this a few times on the show here that we were expecting it uh this isn't surprising to me i don't think it's surprising to either of you um, but it's it sucks to see it, you know, in writing now that MLB is getting ready for it. It's probably coming. Um, 
so, you know, I'm going to enjoy these next couple games, however many it may be. Uh, you know, we're tied 1-1 right now, really hoping that this goes seven because it might be the last time that we get baseball for a while. Uh, and I'm definitely going to enjoy these three games in Atlanta because this is likely the last time we're ever going to see pitchers hitting in a major league baseball game, because that seems to be the one thing that both sides can agree on uh, is implementing the universal DH. Uh, but right now they're so far apart on other issues that uh, we might not get a normal 2022 season, which is the last thing that we need after having a shortened season last year. What is this graphic of him swinging a golf club? Do you guys have this on the no sense to me? <laughs> what in the world? That just took away my entire train of thought because that was also completely unexpected. Uh, but but how do you guys feel about this this work stoppage that's inevitably going to pop up? Do you think it's resolved quickly? Do you think we are having a shortened 2022 season? Can we get this done before the end of spring training? Or well, you know, spring training wouldn't start. Can we get this done by spring training time? Um, you know, expires in a month. They have two months to work on it before spring training time. What do you guys think? We'll start with, go ahead, Brad. Um, I think, honestly, they're probably going to get it figured out before spring training. But because it's been a rollover of not just this past discussions, it's been in the last CBA, there were problems. Mm-hmm. So it's not something new. And if they're very far away, I wouldn't be surprised to see it still into the regular season or spring training. But I think at the end of the day, there's just too much at stake on both sides, especially after the shortened season last year. So I think that they'll put some things aside for each other and they'll figure something out before spring training. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I do hope they figure something out, especially with how, you know, exciting this off season will be with the names on the free agent market and, you know, I just really hope it gets worked out before spring training, but I, I could see it going into the season. Yeah, you know, it would just be really upsetting uh, considering that we already lost, you know, uh, what was it, 102 games last year uh, because we have some incredible careers going on right now. You know, we lost 102 games of Mike Trout last year. We lost a lot of games of Mike Trout due to injury this year. If we have to lose more games of Mike Trout next year, Uh, then we're really talking about an impact on the history books, right? We're talking about cutting short careers like Tatis, Trout, Machado, Harper, who have potential to put up 20 year old Juan Soto. Yeah. Who have potential to put up five, six Soto's case, 700 home runs, you know, and the the more games that we lose, the the harder it's going to be for those guys to do that. The harder it's going to be, you know, to compare to some of these, these other guys, although, you know, there's been work stoppages before 94, 94 being a famous one. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not unprecedented and it's not like guys like bonds and them haven't lost parts of their career, but never, you know, a work stoppage right after a, a global pandemic shuts down 102 games. So, you know, I, I really do hope for a, a quick reconciliation there uh, so that we can get a normal 162 game season again next year. But now let's get on to the fun stuff. We are talking awards. We are revealing the awards uh, the same day that this episode is going to drop. We're going to do them uh, on Monday, November 1st. Uh, we're going to you know, hop right out in front of MLB. They're announcing all their finalists that night. Uh, we're going to get right out in front of them and announce our award winners before they even announce their finalists. Um, so let's start from the top. Uh, we're going to go around, say who we all voted for, give a little explanation, uh, you know, compare, debate if we have to. 
Uh, I have a feeling the three of us might do more agreeing than disagreeing. Um, I wish we had some more voices in here that, you know, could disagree with us and we could have a little more debate. Um, but, you know, uh, let's get into it now. We're going to start on the American League side uh, with the big one. We'll start with the MVP. Um, I'll go first. Um, I think I've made my opinion pretty vocal on the show before um, and on social media. Uh, my pick, uh, it was my second easiest pick. Uh, Shohei Otani, you know, uh, Vlad Jr. had an amazing season. Uh, any other year, uh, Vlad Jr. is probably the strong favorite for this award. You know, Salvador Perez had a great year, um, but I think Vlad would be the strong favorite still in any other year. Um, but unless he also posted a, a 3.18 ERA with, uh, you know, 156 strikeouts, a 1.09 whip to go along with his offensive stats, uh, then he never stood a chance at winning this award to me. Uh, this season from Shohei was just so incredibly historic, never been done before. I mean, he he set the uh, MLB record for for a pitcher with triple digit strikeouts, uh, having uh, you know no pitcher with triple digit strikeouts had ever had more than nine home runs in a season. Uh, he did that in July. Um, he was the only player in MLB history to have 37 home runs and 15 stolen bases, uh, at the end of July. Uh, he set the angels franchise record for home runs in a season by left-handed hitters in mid August. Um, so a completely unprecedented season and, you know, Vladdy's season was rare, uh, but in my mind, uh, never happened before beats out rare. Um, uh, Brad would go to you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I mean, Shohei was pretty easy of the selection. Even back in July, even that's kind of when it started. Like, it was a shoe-in, and the question was becoming if he was going to be anonymous or not. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I really think that... He was going to be anonymous. <laughs> Nobody was going to know who he is. Uh, yes. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think he will. I think Vladdy will get at least at least two. Like, yep. I think I think somebody will do it just because. But, yeah, I think it's show is definitely a show, uh, a shooting. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, like you were saying, David, we've never seen this before. You know, we've seen, you know, guys hit and pitch, you know, but, like, even Babe Ruth, you know, he wasn't a good pitcher when he was a good hitter, you know, and kind of, he had two careers in the same career, essentially, you know, another thing on Otani, he led the league in triples, you know, like this guy can run, you know, he had 46 home runs, hundred RBIs. He actually hit his hundredth RBI in the last game of the season, you know, drove in and that was huge, you know, just for like looking back in the season, you know, 99 compared to hundred, you know, yeah, that's definitely a, it's a huge yeah, number. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, any, anything helps, you know, especially those accolades. So yeah, easy selection for Otani. All right, we'll hop over to a, what I think was a bit of a, a tighter race here, um, which is the AL Cy Young Award. Um, I ended up going with Robbie Ray, uh, but I was really struggling with deciding this one. Uh, down the stretch, you know, in the month of September, Ray was shaky. Garrett Cole was shaky. Um, and in my mind, you know, an ace is supposed to be there when his team needs him. And Ace is supposed to win games in September, must win games down the stretch. Uh, neither Ray or Cole could do that when their teams needed them the most. Uh, and that's when I started to consider Lance McCullers. Uh, Lance, uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, Lance McCullers led the American League in, in base on balls. And if you're giving out free passes consistently like that, um, I, I also 
don't think that, you know, you deserve the Cy Young award then. Um, I, I ended up going Ray just because uh, his dominance was was too hard to ignore. Uh, he led the league in innings. He led the league in ERA. He led the league in strikeouts. Uh, he led the league in whip. Um, he was just a complete workhorse for the Blue Jays. Um, and, and they're not in the position that they're in if he doesn't have the dominant year that he had. You know, they were they were in the race until, you know, right down to the end. Uh, and they're not in that position without Robbie Ray. Although uh, it, this, this is despite his absolutely pathetic uh, performance where he accused the 110 loss Orioles of cheating against him. So as hard as it is for me to give the little crybaby the, the Cy Young Award there, uh, he was dominant and he deserves it. Uh, Jim, we'll go to you. Yeah, I mean, I think the all-time K per nine leader in Ray uh, is my AL Cy Young winner as well. Um, you know, he, he wasn't great down the stretch, but Cole was just terrible. Yeah, you know, Cole was absolutely terrible. Like it couldn't get much worse than Cole. You know, but Cole, I mean, Cole kind of did it to himself. Like I think if if you put Cole, say Cole's back in Houston, and he has those games in in Houston, but Houston still wins the West pretty easily, I honestly think Cole is getting the Cy Young over Robbie Ray this year, but because he because Cole is on the biggest stage in the biggest market in in all of sports, and he just absolutely flounders. Could couldn't couldn't even give him a chance in most of the September starts. Mm-hmm. That really just probably gave it to Ray in the end. Yeah, and you got to look at Ryu too. He was supposed to be you know the ace for the Blue Jays this year and. You know, Ray had to pick up his slack. So that's another thing, you know, that kind of leans me towards Ray. And they traded for Berrios at the deadline, too. Yeah. Another guy of his caliber or better, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, Berrios was somebody that I, I also considered when uh, I was picking the finalists there. Uh, it was between McCullers and Berrios for that third spot when I was picking the finalists. Um, ultimately, um, McCullers was, was higher up on the league leaderboard and more categories. So he got the nod there, uh, but Barrios was very, very good this year too. Uh, but Brad, it sounds like you went Ray, right? Yes, I did go Ray. It was, it was close, but I think what Ray did, especially where the Blue Jays weren't supposed to be where they were, that kind of pushed the whole thing over the edge. Right, Cole so- having a three, two, three ERA, you know, that's. So yeah, much higher than that. I think Ray the two eight four, you know that's a big difference right there. Yeah, yeah, he was a two eight four, and uh, he also had two hundred and eighty four strikeouts, which is kind of cool that he had two eight four ERA, two eight four strikeouts. So yeah. that's neat. So we're we're two awards in here, and we are all agreeing so far. Um, and I I think we might all agree on this one too. Um, rookie of the year, I. We'll start by acknowledging my bias. Uh, I'm an Orioles fan, but the MLB players uh, just selected Ryan Mountcastle as 2021 AL Outstanding Rookie of the Year. Uh, So I think that should dispel any notion that this isn't a legit pick. Uh, He led the league with 38 home runs and 112 RBIs among uh, all MLB rookies, not just AL rookies. Um, And, you know, that's while playing 76 games. Uh, against the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rays, the Red Sox, you know, these powerhouse teams. Um, And it was also, you know, 112 RBIs on a team that ranked 26th in runs per game, 26th in runs scored, and 27th in team on base percentage. You know, so he didn't have a lot of guys on for him, and he was still driving in runs uh, at the highest rate in the league among rookies. Um, People will argue, uh, you know, Adolis Garcia is so good defensively or – 
or Randy or Rosarena is so good in the postseason. Um, one postseason doesn't count. It's going to count when they vote. I know they're going to count it subconsciously. Um, and, but I'm, I'm willing to overlook Mountcastle's defensive woes because he was playing out of position all year because you have the face of the franchise in Trey Mancini at first base. Uh, so I'm willing to overlook that. Um, his offensive dominance is, is too good for me to ignore. Um, I don't care if, if you call me biased. Ryan Mountcastle is my rookie of the year. Uh, Brad, do you? Uh, I'm assuming that you're going the same way. Oh, absolutely. I think he's definitely the most deserving. I mean, when you're looking at the rookie of the year awards, I don't think all around really solidifies like a rookie year. Like anybody who wins a rookie of the rookie of the year, unless they're finishing inside the MVP voting, getting legitimate votes. I don't think there's one rookie of the year who did anything extremely well. Mm-hmm. And what Mountcastle did with his back this year was literally elite numbers for a rookie. So I think whatever Mount was doing, especially on the team that he was on, just constantly being the threat of the Baltimore Orioles driving in runs, I think that kind of gave him a nod there. Yeah, I picked Mountcastle before the year even started. You know, I, I, I liked him, you know. It looked like it was going to be, you know, the dullest at the start of the year. He was off hot and then he just fell off. You know, his on-base percentage was terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, he finished with a 286 on base. That's terrible. That's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so he had a 741 OPS, which for 31 home runs is very low. You know, he's just great defensively. But, you know, I had to go Mountcastle. You know, he just shy of an 800 OPS as a rookie, you know, 30, what, 33 home runs. That's 38. Oh, was it 38? I thought he, no. Was it 33? Yeah, 33, yeah. No, he's, he is, yeah, you're right. I think he's 38 career. Yes, something like that. Um, yeah, Mount, Mount Castle all the way for sure. So we are, we are all in agreement. Uh, that's nine picks now and, and nine agreements. Uh, this one, we might, this was a close one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say who won yet, um, but this was a, a close one. It actually came down to the last vote. So we have 13 baseball writers uh, when it was, you know, when there was 12 votes, uh, this was split. Uh, so I went uh, for man- manager of the year, uh, Scott Cervais from the Seattle Mariners, you know, Cora leading the Red Sox from fifth place to a wild card spot in a year was, was really cool. Uh, you know, made him a strong candidate, uh, but the Mariners were picked by almost every publication to finish in fourth place. You know, Baseball America, Sports Illustrated, Pakoda, uh, all picked the Mariners to finish fourth place with like 70 wins. They at the beginning of the year, they had turmoil in their front office. They had scandals. They had a ton of turnover in the front office. Um, and, and yet they remained focused on a goal um, and, and they kept pushing through and won 90 games. They were in contention until the last day of the season. Um, so they get uh, he gets my pick there, uh, Brad. Yeah, I took him as well. Uh, I mean, I think what he did in Seattle against Cora, who was obviously the second choice there, he was the one who was going to beat Cora that year. I mean, obviously Boston wasn't projected to do anything either, but I think given Cervasis, what he did in Seattle when everybody was basically banking on them being a top five pick, yeah, I went Cora. You know, that's, there you that's go. one award we've differed on. Um, you know, I, I think that's like the definition of a comeback manager is going from fifth place to first place. You know, um, 
don't know. I, I, I always like to give the manager of the year to a team that makes the playoffs. You know, they fell short, ultimately had a great year in the Mariners. But, you know, to be one series away from, you know, the World Series up in the, the Red Sox, you know, that was an impressive year, you know, going from the wild card, you know, played in a tough division, I'd argue tougher than, you know, the AL West. So, yeah, I went Cora. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, like I said, it was split. Um, it was it was a tough pick for me even. Um, but I at the end of the day, um, felt like he got the most out of his players. Um, you know, the the Red Sox had some trades like Schwarber, you know, bringing guys like that in, whereas the Mariners um, actually traded away their bullpen staple to their division rival, which, you know, is no fault of Cervais. That's on trade-happy Jerry DePoto and yeah. probably cost them a playoff berth, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. not having him in that, that bullpen there. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was a really tight one. Uh, I got a feeling we're all going to be in agreement on this next one. AL Comeback Player of the Year. Um, I mean, the second Trey Mancini touched a Major League Baseball field on April 2nd in Boston, he won this award. It was over right then. It didn't matter what anybody else did. It didn't matter if he hit like Barry Bonds or slumped like Chris Davis. Uh, Just him being back out on that field uh, after kicking stage three colon cancer's ass won him that award. Um, And then, you know, to see him on the home run derby stage uh, was, you know, making it to the finals against Pete Alonso is, is and forever will be uh, one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen as a sports fan. Uh, I mean, this was a a runaway. This is, um, it's going to be unanimous um, in, in the BBWA, the, you know, they already selected him from the MLB player's choice. Um, I'll tell you right now, it's unanimous with us because it it was really the only option. Um, You guys both went Trey, right? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah. The other two two were definitely interesting choices that they had for the MLBPA, though. They had Cedric and then they had Mitch Haniger. Which Cedric Cedric definitely was. I mean, he spent spent a year back in double A, you know, after – have you know struggling in the big leagues he switched uh to just hitting left-handed and i mean definitely what a comeback on his part hanniger yeah i mean big part of of that team out there and a big reason why they won 90 games um but i mean at the end of the day this is a bigger than a baseball story this is this is a life story this is uh an inspiration to birdland the the baseball community and the sports community as a whole and and honestly to to the world you know just just to see a guy do what he did. Yeah, the durability should be pointed out too. I mean, he played 147 games this year. You know, that's just really impressive, you know, and 70 RBIs, you know. He had a you know an excellent year, you know. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, very impressed. He, he still performed at the level that we expect Trey Mancini to perform at. You yeah. know, it was, it was not like he came back and, and, you know, he looked like he had been there still. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically missing June because he, he had scared. He had, a, he had yeah. a, another cancer scare. Yeah. That's why he, he missed those games that he did. And uh, I, I remember when that came out and there was a lot of speculation around it on Twitter. And he was, he actually came out like two weeks ago and was like, you know, I, he, he said he basically, he didn't like all that speculation that was going on, like about his health and stuff. And, you know, it, it makes you feel bad when you were kind of thinking like uh, you were thinking about it. And, 
you know, he's, he's dealing with that, that possible relapse scare. Um, and you got people tweeting about it and stuff. Um, but if not for that little scare there, he probably does play upwards of 150 games. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that wraps up uh, the American League side there. So we're going to jump over to the National League now. Uh, we'll go in the same order, uh, starting from the top with the NL MVP. Um, this looked like at the beginning of the season, it was going to be a two-headed race between Tatis and DeGrom, uh, but both ended up falling off due to the injury issues. Uh, Tatis did come back uh, and finish the season in, in strong consideration for the award, um, but, but he required a move off of shortstop to the outfield uh, in order to come back and, and stay healthy. Uh, so uh, f- for me, that, that kind of took him out. Um, and at the end, it was a, a two horse race for me between uh, Soto and Harper and Soto's, you know, his, his plate discipline is, is ridiculous. Uh, he's the best hitter in baseball and he's going to win many MVPs in his career. Uh, but for me, this was Harper's year again, uh, you know, unanimous NL MVP in 2015. Uh, this is going to be number two for him. Uh, he's going to be a two time MVP by 29 years old, which is awesome. Um, but to put up a slash line of 300, 400, 600, a thousand is, you know, that doesn't happen unless you're Bryce Harper or Barry Bonds. And, uh, this season, uh, if you look at Bonds' 1992 MVP season, uh, Harper's season basically mirrored, uh, Bonds' and, uh, what was that? His, his third or fourth MVP in 92. Um, so, so when you, whenever you're mirroring a Barry Bonds MVP season, um, you know, you're my guy. Uh, and without him in that lineup, the Phillies are easily a sub 500 team. Um, and if he's putting up those kind of numbers right now, uh, I'd be very excited to see what he can do uh, if they can add a power hitting shortstop behind him to protect him in that lineup. Uh, Brad, who'd you have? Yeah, I took Harper as well. Um, I, I think Soto did a lot of things great because he's, uh, like you said, he's gonna he's gonna win multiple MVPs. He's just way too good where he's not going to. But this year, Harper kind of put up once in a lifetime, well, twice in a lifetime for Harper. But he, a normal MVP doesn't put up these numbers. Yeah, I went Harper as well. You know, um, I don't think it's gonna be unanimous. You know, like like it was in 2015, but. Yeah, to me, he's got my vote. Um, Tatis, you know, like you said, the defensive troubles, you know, missing time due to their injury. You know, I can't really give it to him. Um, but, yeah, Harper, for sure. Yeah, you know, he, he now owns the greatest season in Washington Nationals franchise history and one of the greatest seasons in Philadelphia Phillies uh, franchise history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he really silenced that overrated crowd this year. And they, they yelled overrated for so long that he became underrated. And now he's, you know, they're going to put that respect back on his name with some hardware. But this is going to be a, a hard award to predict for years to come. Like there is so much talent in the National League. Uh, you're going to have, you know, in a normal year, you're going to have Acuna in that race. At the beginning of the year, it looked like he might run away with the MVP. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have Tatis there for another ungodly amount of years. Uh, you know, you're going to have Harper there. You're going to have Mookie. Uh, you know, it, it is a stacked 
uh, league there. Uh, so it's going to be a hard award to predict going forward. Um, but let's go to, to, for me, what was the toughest decision? Um, and that was the National League Cy Young. This was a hard one. There were so many deserving pitching performances this year. Um, and, and we had to narrow it down to three for our ballot. Um, and, and that was hard. You know, the Brewers had three Cy Young potential guys on, in their own rotation. Um, this, this was hard. And for me, uh, Max Scherzer won. I gave it to Max Scherzer. Uh, it was really between Max Scherzer and Zach Wheeler for me. Um, Zach Wheeler was an absolute workhorse for the Phillies. Like I, you know, I said without Harper, they're sub 500. Um, but without Harper and Wheeler, the Phillies are last place in the NL East and very close to last place in the entire national league without those two, uh, his 213 innings led all the MLB. Uh, he threw three, com uh, complete games, which is tied with, uh, Marquez and Wainwright for the most in MLB. Uh, in fewer starts than Scherzer, he threw more innings and recorded more strikeouts. Um, but in the end, uh, I went max for a couple reasons. Um, one is that down the stretch for the Dodgers, uh, he was dazzling. He was fantastic. 7-0, 1.98 ERA, striking out 89 over 68 in a third innings and just walking eight. I mean, that is ace. That is what... Garrett Cole and they they just did the chop on national TV. Goodness gracious, they just, they just showed it. That's great. That's great for baseball. But um, he did what Cole and Ray didn't, and that was show up when his team needed him. Uh, the second was uh, the added difficulty of moving cross country mid season, adjusting to a new city, new ballpark, new uh, pitching staff and coaching staff, uh, and to new catchers. Um, I think that, you know, Wheeler stuck with the same group all year. You know, you're, you're comfortable with those guys. Uh, Scherzer had a, a bit of turmoil there having to change places. Um, so, and, he, and then he was even better after. Um, and then um, uh, finally, uh, even though Wheeler threw more innings and less starts, uh, I thought that Max's innings were more dominant. Uh, it was essentially impossible to reach base against Scherzer this year. Uh, led both leagues in whip. He had a whip under one, uh, led both leagues in hits per nine and led the national league and base on balls per nine. Uh, he was just impossible to hit this year. Um, but I, I expect this to be a, a contested award and, and I expect this to, to you know, go a couple different ways with people's votes here. So I'm curious to see what you guys had. Uh, who wants to go first? Whoever go ahead, Jim. I'll go. Uh, yeah, I, I want Scherzer as well. You know, um, I just like the whip, you know, the level league eight, six, four whip. That's just impressive. You know, I think that might be the lowest of his career. You know, he had a career year, arguably, you know, the innings weren't there necessarily, but like you said, you know, the lowest in hits per nine walks per nine, um, what he did for the Dodgers down the stretch was, you know, arguably the reason they made the postseason. you know, like he was the difference maker. So yeah, I want Scherzer. Yeah, I went Scherzer as well. I think what Scherzer did, especially coming over to the Dodgers midseason, that's what kind of put him in front of Zach Wheeler. But Zach Wheeler had a great year nonetheless. But Scherzer just doing it. I mean, you essentially had to leave the yard for you to score on Scherzer. And that's that's hard enough in itself. 
And it's, it's pretty nuts that, you know, he's our front runner for Cy Young and he's going to have to convince teams this off season that he can pitch next year. He went out on short rest in the playoffs and, and had a dead arm and couldn't play catch past 60 feet. So coming off a career year, he's going to have to convince teams that he's healthy, which is crazy, you know, because he should be demanding a huge contract. And now it's kind of up in the air if he's even able to throw a baseball from home plate to the mound. Um, but I, I anticipate he's going to bounce back just fine. He's a psychopath. He's going to do whatever it takes to be back out on that mound. Uh, I absolutely love Max Scherzer. So uh, I hope that he gets back to being healthy. Um, and, and I hope he stays in the National League so the O's don't have to face him and get no hit by him uh, several times a year. Well, that, if Adley's up next year, we ain't getting no fit. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We'll get at least one. Uh, rookie of the year. This was, um, I don't know, this is this was a, a little bit of a tough one. Um, I think India is is the favorite all around. Um, he, he gets my vote. Uh, Rogers would have had my vote um, if, if that ERA was a bit lower. Um, I, I went India. I'm curious where you guys went on this one. Personally, I went with, I went with Anderson. I mean, what, okay. what he had to go with, he had to, there was nobody in that Atlanta team. They lost to Rogan. They lost, uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Sorokin, did you say? Yeah, Sorokin. And then who was the other one? Oh, Laskar. Yes, they lose two guys in your rotation. You need somebody to step up, and for a rookie to step up like he did, it was sub. It was it was like a, a three three ERA for a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I know the talent wasn't there, but India. I mean, he, that raised or not that raised that Reds lineup had potency in but in it. You had Winker and you had Castellanos. See, he wasn't being the guy that they were targeting. It so it, it impressed me the. It, what it was for me that it came down to was the, the on-base percentage. He was on base 37.6% of the time. Uh, and the OPS uh, 853 was even higher than Mount Castles. Um, so that's, that's really what it came down to for me. But I, I totally see the, the Anderson pick. Um, and I, I also see the, a, a Rogers pick. But Jim, who'd you go with? I went India as well. Like you were saying, the on-base led the league. Uh, 23 hit by pitch. So, you know, he, he'll find any way to get on base. You know, yep. he's, you know, yeah, like you were saying, you know, just, you know, the on base, the OPS, you know, it's really impressive for a rookie, but I do like Anderson. I'm not sure if he had the innings, you know, to get the award necessarily, but he, he yeah. missed, uh, I think he was on the IL twice. So that's, yeah. that's a month basically. I, I actually remember uh, watching the draft when India got drafted um, so I, I might've even had like a little subconscious bias going on there. Cause I, I remember sitting on the couch watching him get drafted from Florida as a third baseman. Uh, and they were actually in the college world series when he got drafted, they were all watching it, uh, in like, um, like a, a theater, what's it, auditorium kind of thing, uh, when he got drafted. And I remember that being a really cool moment. So maybe I got, I, I might've been a little biased there. I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to admit if I had some bias there, um, this, this one was a pretty easy one. Um, the manager of the year and in, in the national league, nobody saw the giants coming. 
Gabe Kapler was was not a great manager in Philadelphia, but maybe he was just a victim of circumstances there uh, because uh, he really pulled the Giants together this year. I don't know what he did. I don't know what they did. Uh, but I mean, there was something magical about the Giants this year, and you got to give credit to Gabe Kapler for that. Uh, but Brad, we'll go to you. Yeah, Kapler was easily the runaway here, but it, it, what he did there was kind of crazy, considering all their expectations. Because most of all, all the projection sites, they all had them finishing in fourth or fifth place behind the Rockies, or not the Rockies, the Diamondbacks. Sorry, but. Uh, it's it was kind of crazy that they came out of nowhere doing it with the team that they had, and it's it's going to be interesting what they do in the future because they have all all four four of their top five inning guys this year are free agents, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, I had the um, the Giants finishing maybe five hundred, you know, third place team maybe five hundred at the start of the year. You know, nobody could have expected what they did. You know, everybody was clicking for him, you know, all, all their veterans. It was it was fun to watch. And they had guys like Ruff, Wade, Step Up. You know, it was it was, it was a good year. But obviously, yeah, Kapler for sure. I don't really think there's another, you know, viable option. You know, they won that division. You know, it was all Padres, Dodgers at the start of the year. You know, there was no mm-hmm. Giants in that discussion. Um, so, yeah, definitely Kapler. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a good chance that this one's unanimous in, in the BBWA. Um it, you know, the, the whole talk was like this Padres-Dodgers rivalry, right? And the, the Padres fans were trying to create a, a rivalry that, that wasn't really there to begin with um, because you do have to actually win something to have a rivalry or be a threat to have a rivalry. Um, the, the Giants came out and said, no, nah, this is what a real rivalry looks like. Like the, mm-hmm. the Yankees and Red Sox played in the wild card game this year, and it was nothing compared to that. San Fran LA rivalry and it was great to see that back um and also great to see nobody get seriously injured as a result of that like we've seen in the past too so shout out those fans for actually being civil human beings for once um but moving on to our our last award and I I I think that Jim didn't you want to vote for somebody that we didn't name as a finalist for comeback player of the year uh yeah I, I wanted to go Stroman um he was the most consistent pitcher in that Mets lineup obviously as a Mets fan you know I got some bias there but I went Posey ultimately you know he had a terrific year um the batting average was there um I think he really solidified himself as you know one of the top catchers in the league again you know after having a bad 2019 you know not playing in 2020 I think there were some question marks you know about how he would perform this year but he obviously wiped those away yeah I mean it was great to see him have that resurgence there. Uh, I think it, it definitely uh, solidified his spot in the Hall of Fame. Uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion, he's been a Hall of Famer since 2014. Oh, yeah. um, but if, if there was any question mark there, uh, uh, he's a shoe-in first ballot now after this year. Um, so he was my comeback player of the year. Yeah, Stroman, though, uh, he's he's going to get himself a bag this offseason after what he did. Oh, this yeah. He, I mean, he he would have been a really good option for this award. Um, he he did on himself too. Yeah, he did. And it paid off. And, you know, he's always been that guy that's going to have that attitude where he's going to bet on himself and he knows, you know, he knows how good he is. And he, he knew that, you know, he was coming from a Rocky situation there in Toronto where they were kind of bashing him in arbitration hearings. 
and yeah. he wasn't feeling welcome there. And then he went to New York and he got to embrace who he was and he got his cleat brand going. Uh, him and Judge uh, were talking on Twitter yesterday about starting a glove company. Um, so, you know, he's, he's really able to be himself there. Uh, and I think that, you know, feeling good, uh, you know, translates to playing good. And I think that's a big issue uh, with, with Clint Frazier actually in New York is that he just doesn't yeah. like being there. Um, and, you know, this ties into Stroman because uh, Stroman and, and the, the rapper Mike went to Duke together and Mike's got this podcast and Clint Frazier was on it. And he was talking about how like, it's, fantastic to be a New York Yankee, you know, to go around and say, I'm a New York Yankee. Like it's a very prestigious thing to be, but he doesn't feel like he can be himself there. You know, he was, he had, he was this cool macho guy with his long flowy red hair. And he was so cool. And on Instagram, he's so cool. And he just doesn't get to be himself there and he doesn't play well there. Uh, and I think he could have a, a Stroman type situation where he gets to go somewhere and gets to be himself and breaks out. Uh, so it was awesome to see Stroman do that. Uh, but Brad, who did you have for, for this award? Uh, I took Posey, too. Uh, it was it was honestly a lot closer than I thought for Posey and uh, Joey Votto. Yeah. Because Votto and Posey were both below league average for 2018, 2019. And in 2020, obviously, Votto had another down year, but and Posey didn't play. So both of them coming back and showing that they're still legit major leaguers who can contribute on contending teams, it kind of solidified their Hall of Fame status for both of them, honestly. But yeah. Posey's just Posey's return to MVP form, essentially, because his stats almost were identical to his MVP year, which is kind of crazy to think about. And that kind of uh, gave me the edge for him especially with their team success as well. Yeah. And you know, the, the backstop is a huge part of, of team success like that. And how many, you know, he's won three world series back there. He's caught how many no hitters and perfect games back there. Um, when he is on, he is a game changer and, you know, you've got to attribute a lot of that success to him. Um, but Votto too, you know, two first ballot future hall of famers, um, you know, showing that they still got it and they're still here. Um, that wraps up our awards. Uh, so the awards again are going to go out on Monday, November 1st, the same day as this episode. Um, so if you're listening to this on the first look out tonight, uh, these are going to come out. Um, besides that, uh, if you have not checked out the first episode of fantasy football, uh, that is out, uh, on Instagram, on IGTV, also uh, going to get up on YouTube, uh, and on the website at capital sports, MN, uh, Jimmy, you want to shout out your, your socials here? Let people know where to find you. Let people know what you're working on blog-wise, content-wise. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Instagram is at underscore Jimmy Miller. That's what I'm most active on. But, yeah, as this off-season gets going, I like to post more blogs in the off-season. You know, for some reason, I get more motivation to write in the off-season. Um, more stuff going on, more trade rumors. So, yeah, just look out for, you know, maybe predictions of where guys might land this off-season. You know, I got Morton going to San Fran. As Ooh. a preview, you know, so yeah, just look out for those. And uh, you're going to do, so I, I personally am going to do, and, and I think both you guys too are going to do blogs uh, explaining uh, even more in detail why we chose these guys for these awards. Uh, mm -hmm. So those will be uh, companion blogs to go along with the, the post about the award winners. Um, 
Brad, uh, you're doing one of those two, right? Yeah, I'm going to do one of the uh, explaining my picks there, yeah. And uh, actually, you know something that, that you and I have to work on um, is a end of the year top 100 prospects. Um, we got to get like an off-season top 100 prospects going. Uh, so, sure. uh, so we, we had a lot of guys graduate this year. Yeah, so the, a lot of shakeups to the list there. Uh, a reminder to everybody, uh, Brad was the first guy to have Gunnar Henderson on his top 100 there. And uh, he's now on, on everyone's radar for the top 100s. Uh, so, you know, look out for, for any more hot takes like that that are going to come to fruition in everyone else's blogs. Um, but, you know, things that you'll catch here first at, at Capital Sports Media Network. Um, Brad, you're, you're at Brad Zampar, right? Yes, that would be it. Well, at Brad Zampar, I'm at the David Payne. Follow us at Capital Sports MN on everything. Uh, CapitalSportsMN.com is the website. Um, and I, we're going to do, I think, one more episode for the regular season before we head into our off-season activities. Um, so I'll say this for the last time of season one. We'll see you next week. What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle Milligan, founder of CSMN. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Capital Sports MN and find all of our content on our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Peace out, everyone. God bless. Thank you.